G'day fuckwits, it's Aiden Jones here, <laughs> you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday the 25th of October 2022, how the fuck are you doing, huh, you fucking loser, <laughs> you stupid cunt, <laughs> oh I'm sorry man, um, here's a bit of tea, mm. Oh, perfect temperature. Fucking suck me off, man. I'm doing inside voices right now because I am in. I mean, maybe it's it's a long story. Let's fight. Let's oi. Let's get into it. Let's get into the podcast. You know, it's so like all this messing around. Greetings. I can't hear you. Why am I talking to you? Nah. Thanks for listening. I genuinely appreciate you listening. Thank you. Um. You know what, listener update, listeners are down this week, back down to the harrowing depths of, I think, 63 in the first week, so we were at heady, heady heights of 100 in the first week for two weeks, and now we're back down, and you know what, I welcome it, I welcome the lower numbers, I welcome, (laughs) whatever, no one cares about this, I'm going to tell you how I'm doing, man, I'm in Griffith, um, in New South Wales, and uh, I've driven up here with this uh, this lady that I've been seeing. It's good. I don't want to talk about that too much because I don't like airing my dirty laundry on the podcast. And when I say I don't like it, I mean I love it, and it always fucking comes and back and like blows up in my face. So <laughs> I don't have dirty laundry, but even any laundry, don't air your laundry. You know what? Keep your laundry in the hamper. That's what it's there for. What is a hamper for if not for laundry? No, there's no other use for a wicker basket. Do you guys remember that Black Books episode when he gets so drunk and he shits in the fucking family's hamper? And he goes, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? When you're not... I know, I'll buy a wicker toilet. And the wife's face just goes, oh! <laughs> she runs into the laundry and you just hear her go, ah! <laughs> Oh, oh man, yeah, I'm in Griffith, and uh, so we drove up here from Melbourne. She works up here week on week off, and uh, it sucks not seeing her. And I thought, you know what, I'll come up here and I'll fucking we'll do the drive together. Um, and she gets for her work, she gets uh, like a you know accommodation for the week. But for some reason, whatever the agency that you do, you're not supposed to bring partners and family and stuff, which I just think is the biggest load of bullshit. Um, so we've just we've just gone ahead and ignored that rule. Um, I'm here just for today and then tomorrow. I'm a little bit stressed, I'm not going to lie to you, because, um, I mean, as you'll know, if you're in Australia at the moment, North Victoria and Central Victoria are in the midst of some floods. Um, the the towns of Shepparton and Albury are like flooding and heaps of roads are closed. And um, Melbourne, Melbourne to Griffith, you have to go through there. So we had to go around a long way. We had to go through, um, uh, sorry, not Albury, Echuca is flooding. We had to go through Albury and then through Wagga Wagga. And then we went some, we went to go some way, but then the road was closed. So we had to go another way, whatever. Tough. But um, 
tomorrow I'm going back down to do a bit of my day job for like three or whatever days and just, you know, the end of the week, whatever, I'm doing some of that. But um, (laughs) just (laughs) whatever, I'm not even going to go into the fucking thought that I just had. Um, (laughs) I've got to drive from Griffith. Uh, back down to where I'm doing that, which is in um, in Bendigo. And like really the only way to get through there is to drive through this flood zone. But I'm looking on the SES and like the maps say that there aren't – all the roads aren't closed. Like you can still drive through. There's just – there's no definitive bit of info that's like you don't drive through this town like it just says this road's closed, that road's closed. But if you look at the map, it looks like you can still drive through. So I'm like, can you still drive through or is it completely fucked? Like, I don't know. And I just, I I don't want to add an extra fucking three hours onto my trip tomorrow. So I'm just going to try, but it might fuck me up. So I'm stressed about that. I'm doing the inside voice because yeah, we're in this, she's gone to work now. She works nights. So I'm here by myself doing the podcast, trying to keep it down. Um, it's been a great day, man. I've been reading this book called Ghost Towns of Australia that I found when we were in Castlemaine a few weeks ago at some fucking vintage store. You know, you just see a fucking old book and you're just like, what is that? Who is ever going to read that? (laughs) And the answer is me, mate. I'm going to read the old book. I bought this book, Ghost Towns of Australia, written in like 60, like 1965 by just some guy, you know, (laughs) by just some fucking guy who is for sure dead now. And um, it's, he go, he's got just a really good style of writing. Fucking, oh, no, I didn't, I don't know. I was going to check if it was in my bag and maybe read an excerpt. Oh, you know what? Maybe I will. I just don't want to lean too far. I've got to drag my bag back with my foot because I don't want to go off mic. Did I bring it up into the hotel with me or did I leave it in the car? I've left it in the car. Apologies. Um, But I've been reading this book and he goes through like, is it the Great Dividing Range? I actually don't know what that is. Let me have a look. Okay, Google. What is the Great Dividing Range? Dividing Range, also called Great Divide, Eastern Highlands, or Eastern Cordillera, main watershed of Eastern Australia. It comprises a series of plateaus and low mountain ranges roughly paralleling the coasts of Queensland, New South Wales, and Victoria for 2,300 miles. Yeah, cool. I didn't know that. Did you guys get that? The Great Dividing Range. It's the mountains. It's So it's the edge of... There's no map, though. Can I get a fucking map, please? Great Dividing Range... Australian Alps, Blue Mountains, Urals, Great Dividing... Oh, fucking... Why can't you then go off of that and make it into a map? Great Dividing Range map. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's that's the, like, bit where Australia goes from being nice and green into, like, brown on the map. On the east coast, it's where all the water stops and it's fucking... Okay. Anyway, whatever. There's all these towns. They're not really in that area. Are they the Grampians? Is the Grampians a part of it? Well, there's all these towns that are like maybe on the western side of that. Like in the western parts of New South Wales and Victoria that were like 
mining towns and they were built around gold rushes or little short strikes of gold or um, even like there was in the period of like Australia's the first century of colonisation in the 1800s, they thought like if you just built farms in places that it would start raining there, which is so fucking insane. But that's what they thought. Um, and we would have thought that too if we lived then. How crazy is that? So they built these farms, you know, off of like one or two good years of rain and then the droughts hit and then these places were just completely useless or like only good for, like they built them really dense because they were like farming crops there and then when the rain stopped, they weren't good for crops. They were just good for like animals to feed because that's why lower density farming. I'm learning all of this, reading this fucking book that I found in an op shop in Castlemaine. No, it wasn't in Castlemaine, wherever the fuck it was. Um, yeah, man. Real cool. And it's just got me thinking about, you know, ghost towns and abandoned towns and stuff. And so I thought on this trip, like, I wonder if there's any ghost towns on the way. So I looked up ghost towns in Victoria and New South Wales. There's fucking heaps. And I just went, I typed each name into the map to see see where it is. And there's this one called Cookardinia that was very much on the way to where we were going and especially with the floods and we had to take a detour it took us even closer so i was like let's go there i'll find the little it's so cool man it's just like the history of australia the history of the you know the western occupation of australia um but it's like it's 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 history and it's inspiring stuff it's like people just trying to fucking you know make a life in this new place and then they didn't it didn't work out or it worked out for a bit and then it didn't. But these buildings are still there. And this one place, Cucardinia, right? Uh, bu- 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 um, in 1840, it says in 1943, I think that's wrong. So there was a uh, guy called John Post who lived on this Cucardinia run with his wife and children. The property was used to raise fat cattle for running a dairy from January 1852. A lease for pastoral purposes was granted to John Post and John Keane for Cookardinia Run. John Post's wife, Bridget, died in September 1863. This building, the Squatter's Arms Hotel, this is going to be the picture for this week. As the district developed and nearby towns were established, the run happened to be located at the main road. So it was like in the main road... Um, from Albury to Wagga Wagga, and there was also an intersection row. There was, like, another one there. So there was this Squatter's Arms Hotel at that intersection in the road. From the early 1860s, the hotel was managed by a lady called Elizabeth Stamp. Is that the lady? No. Yeah, from the 1860s, Elizabeth Stamp, and it was referred to as Mrs. Stamp's Hotel. And then some bush ranger held up four young men there, so there were, like... Yeah, whatever. There's just some stories of it. The bush ranger Dan Morgan and another man held up four young men at Mr. Post Station, Cookadinia, near Albury. The young men were proceeding from Ten Mile Creek to attend some by races at Merritt's Cookadinia Inn. They were robbed of three racehorses together with saddles and bridles. That's pretty sick. Um, and that was we visited there. We visited. Oh fuck! I didn't even realize that. Oh, I should have done some more reading. Um, they spent an, <laughs> in June 1866, the Crown Prosecutor David Forbes and Judge Francis of the District Court spent an uncomfortable night at an inn at Cookadinia on their way from Wagga Wagga to Albury. The two men were subjected to flea bites and, quote, a sad deficiency of bedclothes during the night. 
As a result of the experience, Edward Post was summoned to appear before the Albury Police Court and charged under the Publicans Act with not having proper accommodation in the form of two proper and well-supplied bedrooms. On the occasion of the visit by the learned gentleman, Post was fined 40 shillings and costs. (laughs) The guy got fucking taken to court for running a shit hotel. Oh, no way, mate. No, nah, no way. Not answering your call, doing the podcast. Fuck off. Anyway, so me and this girl, we stopped over there and um, we just fucking went in. It's this old building and uh, it's like wooden walls and like the foundation's still there. We had to like climb over a fence and go inside. There's that spooky moment where like we crossed the threshold. It's been there since the 1860s. It's been there for fucking 160 years, this hotel. We just walked around. There's like an old iron sprung bed in there. There's like three fireplaces. It's like a nice old building. It was like, you know, sturdy and whatever, but also really, really small. Just like a tiny thing. Um, Just very cool to kind of sit there and, Soak it in. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. It's been a great trip. We did that. We went to an Airbnb last night. We played squatter. Do you guys ever play squatter? I'm feeling very Australian. You know, isn't it like when you go out into the bush or the country or whatever it is, it's just, it's more Australia, you know? The cities are so cosmopolitan, you could be fucking anywhere, but you go out into the bush and suddenly your Airbnb has a game called Squatter that you used to play when you were a kid. Man, I remember when I was like, oh, 13 maybe or 10 around there. Um, and uh, we used to go like my family and then maybe like family friends and stuff. We used to get, oh, we used to get this one holiday house in Victor Harbour. And uh, they had this game squatter there where you like get sheep stations and buy sheep and fucking whatever. And it's like the idea is it's supposed to teach you about how to run a sheep farm and everything that's involved with running a sheep farm and like appreciate how intense it is. And so we did, we got this Airbnb in an old shearing shed on a currently operating sheep, like sheep farm. And uh, they had a game of squatter in there. And this girl's not from Australia. So I got to show her the game and like talk about my grandpa who shore sheep when he was young. And then we played the game and I fucking beat the shit out of her, man. It's in my blood. It's in my blood to play squatter. Not sheer sheep. I wouldn't fuck it. Ugh, yuck. No, thank you. Yeah, it's been great. It's been fucking great. Um, I do have a story that happened earlier in the week, but I don't feel like I've really earned it yet. And I'm scared that if I tell it now, I will go over time. What have I done this week? I did an acting lesson, um, with a mate who's like an acting coach, man. It was actually so sick. I've been working on this bit about, uh, how I had a rabbit when I was a kid. And then I thought my rabbit had died because my mom said that they were going to take it back to the farm. And then I realized later that means that my rabbits die. But then I found out on my 30th birthday through some series of events that actually my rabbit didn't die. My parents got sick of having a feral rabbit in the house. So they had my grandpa come around and just kill it with his bare hands. (laughs) Um, And I've been working on this bit about that, you know, tell the story, whatever. And um, 
my friend who's an acting coach, we were talking, we've been talking for a while about doing a trade where like he gives me a bit of acting coaching and I give him a bit of coaching on writing for stand up. And, uh, so we came around and we did that and we did some like warm up exercises and just, you know, silly little kind of meditative things, I guess, bring you into the body. And then he was like, all right, let's try and do a scene. And so I said, what about this? What about the scene of my grandpa coming around, you know, to, to kill my pet rabbit when I was a kid? And he was like, all right, here's the beats. It's my grandpa driving up to the house, getting out of the car, coming in, putting the cage in the back of the car and then getting the rabbit and then killing it, however you do it. And so I just like, I did that. Like I acted that out with talking, with a bit of talking just by myself or whatever. And um, it was so interesting because I guess when I write a bit, I just tell the story. I just put the information that needs to be in there to tell the story. But to kind of act it out by myself and and like try and be my grandpa and, you know, like be like acting the driving of the car and pulling up and reversing into the park and then getting out of the car and then going into the house and he like says hi to my parents and then he has to call my dad over because the cage is too big to carry by himself. So they like pick it up together and then put it in the boot of the car. And um, to think about that moment, you know, and then the fact that he would have had to get my rabbit out of the cage and like actually grab it, like actually take it and what that would have looked like. And then like when he would have, like my mum said he, to use her words, wrung its neck. So he snapped its neck and just there's so many little elements that I think I can put in the bit and I'm really excited about doing that on stage in, in ways that like aren't necessarily immediately funny but they just add so much richness and emotion to the bit. I'm even thinking about as I say this now to tell the story of how I had acting coaching you know I don't know I don't fucking know man I'm really excited. Also last week I said something on the podcast that ended up being a joke. I'll do the joke of it now. The thing that I wrote on the podcast was, um, where is it? Um, that when you, yeah, I'm not proud of it. If you listened last week, all fucking 63, uh, <laughs> you'll remember that I admitted I always had that thought of like when you admit to doing something, whenever anyone admits to doing something that they're ashamed of, they always say that I'm not proud of it. The idea being like as if, uh, here's the joke that I did on stage. It's so weird when people admit to a shameful thing, they always say, like, oh, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. Like as if we were all about to say that they were, like we would assume that they were, you know, as if they were going to go like, yeah, look, you know, it's true, I have been cheating on my wife with sex workers for 10 years and you know what? It cost a lot of money to pay for all those sex workers and I'm actually quite proud of myself for having earned that amount of money, you know? It's a lot of hard work, I earned that money and I still managed to lead a normal life and my family never found out, they didn't even suspect a thing, you know? That's a lot of hard work, I'm really proud of myself. And I did that on Tuesday and it worked great and I'm really happy about that. <sighs> anyway... 
feel like I don't have a lot of steam this week. What's going on? I'm not wearing any pants. My shirt's open. I just look down at my stomach. I feel fat. <laughs> I feel gross. Maybe that's what's going on in the pod, you know? I don't feel nice in my body. I do feel good in my body, man. I drove all day today. I drove the manual. I've never really driven a manual car before, but... She's got a manual car and she's dope, so she let me drive. She's like, I don't care. Yeah, go for it. You don't know how to drive a manual? Sick. Well, you're driving. Um, so I drove from Wagga Wagga to, uh, to Griffith. <sighs> Actually, I drove all day. I drove from the Airbnb to I've drove for like four hours today, something like that. I feel great. Manual, doing the changes, changing down, changing up, doing the whole thing. It's kind of hard, but like you get used to it. I'm getting kind of used to it. I've driven it a few times now. It feels good. I feel like I've achieved something. You know, it's hard work. It's not necessarily fun. She goes, is it fun? I was like, I don't know if it's fun to drive a manual, but it definitely is a challenge, which is really cool and something that I've never done before. Man, I remember when I was 19, I'm such a fucking, I still, I'm like annoyed at myself for this. I, uh, a, a mate of mine had a connect to get me a job delivering the paper. So I would be in by myself driving a van round and I mean, just, I'm doing a paper round basically, but you get paid properly for it. And, uh, he got the guy to call me and the guy just goes, can you drive a manual? And I said, no. And he was like, all right, I'll uh, call you back. And I just, you know, that was it. And now I just think, I'm like, man, I should have just fucking said I could. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Can't do it? Who cares? Fuck. That would have been such a sick job, man. 19, driving a van around and just delivering papers. What a bullshit fucking job that any loser could do. I should have done it. I should have just said yes. That was the lesson there. If you can't do something, don't tell anyone. Just say you can. <laughs> and then if you're going to fail, fail, but at least you had a shot, you know? And it's taken me until I'm 31, another 12 years to get behind the wheel of a manual vehicle and just fucking do it. This failure is so scary. I guess you just don't want that guy to be like, I thought you said you could do it. And then I'm like, I lied. <laughs> I would just say that. I'd just be like, man, I I wouldn't have said that. I would have been like, yeah. My dad taught me when I was 15 because one afternoon when I was 15, my dad taught me how to do heel starts in a car. What would that have been like? That's another one for acting training. You know what? This week, the podcast is called Acting Training. There we go. That'd be another good one for acting training. You know, what would that have been like for me to get fired by that guy? Like... How would he have found out? He probably would have been there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He probably would have um, sat with me the first day. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I put the keys in the ignition. We, we, we meet, we shake hands. This is a cool exercise. We meet, we shake hands. I'm like, g'day, mate. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, my name's Aiden. What's your name? Oh, Flimby. Yeah, good. <laughs> His name's Flimby. How weird's that? Um, his name is probably fucking Steve, some bullshit. Yeah, all right, Flimby. 
And we shake hands. He's like, all right, you ready to go? Yep, jump in. He hands me the keys. And I'm like, are we doing it now? He's like, yeah. Yeah, we're going to go for a drive. Show you where we need to go. I'm like, all right. And I get the get the keys and I go to climb in the seat. I'm like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. I probably would. I'd probably be a little bitch about, oh, yeah, I haven't driven in a while. But, um, yeah, hopefully it all comes back, you know. I remember doing hill starts with my dad. I'd slowly just like meet in the information that he needs to know, which is that when I said I'd done it before, I've actually only done it one time ever. Yeah, I remember doing it with my dad. He'll start on the farm and he looks at me. He's like, oh, yeah, all right. And then I get in and I adjust the seat and I'm adjusting the mirrors. At that point in my life, I wasn't even driving a... <laughs> I wasn't even driving a regular car very much, let alone a fucking manual. Um, so I would have made a big show of like <laughs> adjusting all the mirrors. <laughs> oh, yep, yep, check the, yep, seatbelt works. Yeah, good. Nah, it's a good one, good seatbelt. <laughs> Looking over at him, fuck. He's like, come on, man, we don't have all day. I'm like, all right. Um... And I uh, put the key in the ignition and then I go to, I guess we're parked parallel. So I go to do like a quick reverse and, <laughs> and I bunny hop it straight into the car. <laughs> just straight into the car behind. First thing, I just fucking hard on the clutch, bunny hop it, douche, straight in the car behind. He's like, get the fuck out. And I'm like, fuck you, man. <laughs> just run off. <laughs> oh, that's what would have happened. You know what? I actually am glad that I didn't take that job. <laughs> nah, because I was 19 and I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been insured for that car. I wouldn't have, been, I wouldn't have had to pay for it. Yeah, man. Fucking, that's actually really funny. Maybe I should do that as a bit because it's better, This it's better to beg forgiveness than it is to ask permission. That's the lesson, you know? It's better to just do it and fuck it up and say sorry than it is to ask permission because when you ask permission, it's like you're asking someone to take responsibility for any mistakes that you might make. And so then you're kind of letting them know that you expect to make a mistake and you shouldn't expect to make a mistake. You should expect to fail at some point. You're going to, but, you know go in with the attitude of like, I'm going to win. I'm going to fucking crush this. So when you reverse a van into whatever car's parked behind you, you know, it's all good. I mean, it just, it happens, but like you got to do it. You got to find out that that was what was, nah, he wouldn't have parked the, the van so close that I would have bunny hopped into it. We probably would have been on like a light industrial lot. Maybe I would have been able to fake my way through it. But I'll never know. I'll never know. Because when I was 19, I was a fucking coward. <sighs> All right, here's this story. I've done enough time. <laughs> we were in the, in the Airbnb yesterday and we were just laughing about this fuck because I told her, like, I'm such a psycho. My friend, and, and shout-outs to you guys if you're listening because I know they listen. Um, my friend posted on her story photos from a wedding that she was at 
and they're Adelaide people. And I looked at the the bride in the wedding looked familiar and I clicked on her profile and the name was familiar. And I went on my Facebook to check and I was like, oh my God, it's true. It is. It's her. This is a girl, the girl getting married in the photo that my friend put on her story that she was at the wedding of. This girl is a girl who when I was like 20, 19, um, she asked me to do uh, an assignment for her in uni and said she'd pay me and then she didn't pay me. And I remember that. And the reason I remember it is because I've thought about it for a while because it's, I feel ashamed of it because what it was, was she was like, she was a hot girl and I didn't know how to talk to girls. And so here's a hot girl coming up to me. Who's like found out that I'm smart because I was, Oh dude, you know what was sick about playing squatter last night is we just happened to stumble upon the information that I'm actually really good at mental arithmetic. Fuck. I just went to say arithmetic. Ugh. Mental arithmetic. I am really good. I was really good at maths in school. And this girl's a doctor. <laughs> and I was wowing her with how smart I am. I'm like, you are a doctor. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, I can do sometimes tables. Wait a second. You're a doctor though? <laughs> But anyway, we got to find that out because the game involves multiplication, whatever. But this girl, in, yeah, it was like 2010, I guess. She, I don't I can't even remember how I met her. Three friends at the bar, whatever it was. And she found out that I was smart and that I was good in school. And she was like, can you do this assignment for me? And I'll give you, I think it was like 20 bucks or 50 bucks. I reckon it, by the looks of it, it's 20 bucks. Because like, I went through our old messages, right? And I remembered this a few times over the years because she never paid me. And I just feel like ashamed about that. That myself, that I let myself get manipulated. And I feel like she manipulated me. I'm like angry at her and ashamed of myself and embarrassed that I allowed myself to be manipulated like that. But, um, you know, whatever. These are just things, these are stories that we have in our life, you know, things happen. But um, well, I'm looking on my Instagram stories and I just see, and I'm seeing this chick's getting married and that's the only thing that I know about her. I haven't seen her since. I go back into our messages and I read some of the old messages and it turns out, so I, me I messaged my friend first of all and I'm like, oh my God, I know that chick, you know, 12 years ago, she paid me to do an assignment for her in uni and then I went through the messages and I confirmed what I thought I remembered, which is that she didn't pay me and then when I confirmed that in the messages, I, I felt comfortable saying, I was like, and she didn't fucking pay me and then my friend replies and she's like, oh, yeah, that's sick. That's real funny. And I'm like, oh, by the way, you know, also like I wish them all the happiness in the world. I thought I should put that. Like she's, she's literally getting married. <laughs> and I'm like, you owe me 20 bucks from 12 years ago. <laughs> and that should have been the end of it. But, but it wasn't because I'm crazy so my friend goes, oh, I mentioned it to her and she said that she did pay you. And then I was like, look, <laughs> I don't mean to be like a, a psycho, but I've checked our messages and she did not. 
so and then here's the craziest thing I did. I put my bank details in the message like as a joke, but I was like, if she wants to pay, here's the details. And then as soon as I did that, I was like, oh my God, is there a world where she actually pays? Like, please God, no, I don't want that to happen. That's pathetic. That's like the most humiliating fucking, what's the word? Mortifying is the word. If she actually was like, all right, here's your fucking 20 bucks, you loser. I hope you're having a good life. I just got married. And that's the thing is I couldn't just let it go. I had to, it's not even about the money, obviously. It's about, obviously, obviously it's not about the money. I'll have you know, I actually am pretty fucking strapped right now. (laughs) Tell you what, would not hate 20 bucks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I am, oh, you know what? I'm about to, in the next week, uh, I'm going to go to Bendigo and I'm going to do, oh, this is a little ad, fuck it, we're taking an ad break. I'm going to go to Bendigo and do some work for my day job, but then I'm also going to use my evenings because I won't be doing comedy to do a bit of research and I think on Wednesday I'm aiming to put up the crowdfunder for my documentary, You Had to Be There, that I've been making about the Edinburgh Fringe and I need about four grand to pay for the rest of the editing. Might not get all of it, but I want to try and get a bunch of it through crowdfunding and I'm really scared about that, but this is a moment for me to do that. I think I've never tried to do it before and, you know, it feels like everyone gets one, you know, and uh, I'm really excited as I've been saying in the last few weeks about the direction of this documentary and about making more documentaries like this in the future and teaching myself how to edit and all of this stuff and uh, part of what I need to do that is a little bit of money. So I want to chuck that up on Wednesday. And you know what? This girl who got me to do some work for her 12 years ago and didn't pay me, maybe she wants to donate to my crowdfunder. <laughs> or maybe she, she just got married. She probably got a bunch of wedding presents, you know? You know I'll take a blender. There's a cash converter near my house. <laughs> If you got any leftover wedding presents, mate. (laughs) You know, hook them my way. You've got my bank details. (laughs) Fucking hell. Oh, anyway, so yeah, I was just, I, I, I told this girl this story last night. She was just laughing at me and she kept making fun of me about it. Every time I thought we were off the topic, she was just like, so, uh, oh, no, what was the joke she was making? She kept being offended on my behalf and being like, anyway, I mean, that's not the worst thing. You know what? I just remembered someone from 12 years ago owes me 20 bucks waiting for him to get married so I can send him a message about it. <laughs> the funny part of it is that she was, it was on her, literally on her fucking wedding day. Some loser from 12 years ago. That'd be another cool scene to try and act out, wouldn't it? What was it like in her matrimonial bed on their honeymoon the first night? (laughs) Did they spend it fucking like animals, releasing, you know, because obviously they saved themselves. 
Aiden, you said you weren't going to air dirty laundry on the podcast. You were imagining a person you don't know having sex on their wedding night. What the fuck is wrong with you? But anyway, <laughs> maybe they're in the bed and they're there. <laughs> and she's like, stop. Stop. I can't. I just. It's, something's not right. <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> I need to give that guy. The money that I owe him for doing my psychology assignment in 2010. Oh, I wasn't so whatever. Anyway, there were other messages in there. She asked me to do another one. I was too busy. I drew boundaries. Good for me, you know. She went, I'll, 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 I'll pay you this time. I really need it. I'm in a desperate spot. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I really want to help, but I have my own assignment and I'm really tired. I drew boundaries, you know. Good for me. Good for me for having clear boundaries and for being able to say no to what at that point was a very juicy $70. Anyway, I'm sorry to everyone involved in that exchange and and I really do hope that they had a lovely wedding and I wish them a long and prosperous marriage until one or, I mean, hopefully, you know, the ideal will end to a marriage as you both die at the same time. I hope that happens. I hope they're like 97 and then they both, what's like the nicest way to die? They're like in bed together, like holding each other's hands, staring into each other's eyes. And the song that that was playing at Red Square when they met, like fucking, <laughs> like a G6, like a G6. That's like playing on a transistor radio in the corner of the room as their great grandchildren hold flowers and candles. <laughs> And they stare into each other's eyes and they go, popping bottles in the ice. And then they stop talking, but their lips just whisper, like a blizzard. <laughs> and then they both fade away. <laughs> if you don't know, that's the opening line to the song, Like a G6 by Far East Movement. Anyway, that's the best way to die in the future. I think that's the end of the podcast, man. I don't know what the fuck I have been talking about this week, but this podcast, this week, it's called uh, Acting Lessons. Is it called Acting Lessons? Yeah. Um, I want to go. have to go back and fucking figure out what I said. I think that's what it was. And the photo this week is going to be a photo of the Squatter's Arms Hotel in Cucadinha from the outside. Nah, it's not. It's going to be me and this girl. It will. I'll make it me and this girl. Fuck it. It'll be, you know, Google Deep Dream so you can't see her, what she looks like or whatever the fuck. It'll just be me and her inside. We took a bunch of photos uh, in like this empty fucking room. Um, it's like it's, it's like six or seven rooms in this place. Three of them have chimneys and then the rest of them, it's just all small rooms. Like I guess it was just a kind of boarding house. Maybe there was like a bar, like a little bar in there or, so, or a little kitchen or something. But um, we got a nice photo of us with our phone propped on the windowsill um, standing in front of one of the fireplaces and there's all like graffiti around. It's just this empty room in this old ass fucking pub that was built in 1860 that's been abandoned for years and years and years. Very cool. So I hope you enjoy looking at those at Sitting Under Podcast. Give the pod a review, by the way, on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to it, five stars, and be on the lookout on all my social media this week. I'll be posting about the crowdfunding campaign that I'm going to be launching to uh, raise money for the editing of my new documentary, You Had to Be There, which is going to be about the Edinburgh Fringe. 
All right, that's me. Hope you guys are doing good. Have a great rest of your week, man. It's been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.